<laughs> Thank you for listening to Internet Boyfriends. She's jealous, isn't she? No, I don't think so. I don't, pu- I don't know. I don't push to the point of insanity. I don't think I'm ever going to prolapse. We are really bad on staying on top. I fucking apologize to any listeners that think that we're organized in any fucking way. The Nazis are back and they're flying over about to bomb fucking Toronto. Duck and cover. Krampus! Like, <laughs> yeah, like I a- wish I had a better way of describing that so I didn't sound like a fucking racist. Like, oh, it's terrible. I- as, as long as, as I get a laugh and you get a laugh, I think we've been successful. So That was my grandmother. You're so Son of a bitch! She didn't splatter like a bag of meat! I'm telling you what, what I heard, learned from television and Wikipedia. She really likes how I say audio. I know how the internet works. Internet boyfriends. Hi! Oh, I don't know how to do one. We've never done one of these before! So we're thinking of doing another Q&A. We've done a few of them in the past. If you go to internetboyfriends.net and scroll down, if you hit my ugly face shoving food in it, you've gone too far. Scroll up a bit. A little more. There you go. You see this? Ask me. Ask us anything. You can enter a question there, and we'll we'll answer it at some point. If not, the next Q and A, the one after that. If I have to, we'll start answering questions in every podcast. It depends oh, on what oh people God, feel like doing. Anyway, enjoy the episode. Yep. I'll get it. I'll get it. Third time is a charm. Hello and welcome to another episode of Internet Boyfriends. I am Joey, and with me, as always, is the Orson Pig to my Wade Duck, <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> I couldn't go with Odie and, and Garfield. I felt bad because I didn't feel like either one of us is sufficiently. I love USA because it's all good. But I, I, I definitely own up to being a Wade Duck like character. So you definitely have your Wade moments. I do. I really do. And I, I actually. And I have my annoying Orson moments. I never took Orson as annoying. I liked Orson. He can be a little bossy and controlling, and he was the needs, only person. And needs to, to be right all the time, food. and and. If that fucking piece of shit rooster would get up and do anything, <laughs> then fucking Orson wouldn't have to boss Roy people was around, a bit right? of a layabout. Yeah, yeah. So there. That's just... <laughs> Roy, Orson's, the, Orson's the, the scooter of the, the U.S. Acres gang. I like Scooter. I like Scooter too, but he's not a fun dude to hang around with all the time. That's... I take offense to that, because I resemble that remark. I'm, I'm the <laughs> so scooter do I. of the group. So... <laughs> I know you do. I know. You, I think you and I are both respectively the scooters. We are of both. Our... Yeah, we are both fairly scooter esque. Yeah, I'm. I'm the guy who's always getting text messages like, "Hey, I want to do something. Organize it for me." <laughs> oh, I don't do that. I'm just like, I'll just wait for someone to organize things for me. I think. And then when I'm organized, I'll sort of stuff. take control of things. Like What's... once once it's happening, I'll sometimes take the the front stage from like, "Oh, you planned it," but hi, it's the Ryan Show. I thought that you. I thought that you were in charge of planning things like. No, no. I, I, when it comes to things like uh, just for laughs and and other, well, like, well, we plan to go to a bunch of stuff for just for laughs. I'll sort of pick the things because I'm more in into the comedy stuff, so I know more people. So yeah. I'll I'll be like the first wave, like here, this is this this. She'll pick a couple things also. Like we're seeing my Perbiglia because she listens to This American Life all the time, mm-hmm. and I like him, and I've seen Sleepwalk with me, and I've seen he- heard him do other stuff. Yeah, he's good. Um, so I'm excited yeah. to see him, but I wasn't like top of my list when she's like, no, that's top of my list. And I'm like, okay. So, Wait, you haven't seen his second stand-up special thing that he did? His one-man show? Uh, it's on Netflix, Friends, I Boyfriend. think. I don't know if I got to it yet. Watch it. It's it's good. Oh, it's no, really we, good. we did watch one, My Girlfriend's Boyfriend? Pretty sure. We did watch that one. I, 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 I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the title, but I think that's it. That was the first thing that popped in my head, so I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Or something in uh, that vein. But yeah, I think that's close enough that they'll understand. 
Uh, Sleepwalk with me was his first one man show type thing that he did, yep. and that became the, the movie film, that yeah. he did. Yeah. And I don't know which I like better in retrospect. Like, I don't know if I, I like him doing the one man show or the movie. They're both pretty good. I think it depends guess, on the thing. Sleepwalk with me worked as well as a movie, I think. I think it did. I guess the there are moments. Him, the first dream sequence that he has is pretty great. Seeing that rendered or seeing that you know represented a film uh versus the jumping out the window thing i thought was way better than the one-man show because the, the what i had in my mind of him jumping out a window was just that's fucking awesome yeah. uh but yeah i think it was my girlfriend's boyfriend which is fantastic oh, really totally. really good really really good um yeah so yeah we should probably get talking about other things that aren't this because uh <laughs> scheduling matters so what we're supposed to be talking about today is we watched a bunch of documentaries sort of related to each other yeah, we did. Two of them, I think. I think because I've, watch- I've been watching a lot of documentaries anyway, and so I'm thinking we watched <laughs> thousands of them, and then really it's just two, I think. I guess also because the, all the extra stuff for Stripped as well. Which Have you watched much of that? I watched all of it. You watched all 30 hours or whatever it was? No, 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 no. I don't want – no, no, no. I watched, I watched what we agreed on watching, which oh, was okay. the extras and then the Scott McCloud thing. I did not I, make like, it through the Scott McCloud thing, but uh... – I'm, and I'm I think, halfway through Scott McCloud. I forgot we officially said we're going to watch it, but like I've seen half of it. You got the gist of it. Yeah. You understand. It's Scott McCloud talking. It's, yeah. it's it's really no different than a podcast episode featuring yeah. Scott McCloud. That's really what Just it Just where the like. interviewer is very poorly mic'd, which it's is fine it. because for the purposes of what they're doing, they don't need him mic'd. But like when they release this, I'm like, oh, what is he saying? Wow. I was surprisingly – I get uh, – you know what it was? I Because I have my headphones on for that. Cause the, yeah, I found the headphones. Like that, I got a – yeah, With fans up. and air conditioners going, you have to have it cranked up pretty loud to hear them. Yeah. Once I was like, oh, there's no subtitles, headphones on right away. So, so yeah, we uh, we watched Stripped, and we watched Finding Mr. Waterson, or what was the, what the hell was that? Something Mr. Waterson? Searching for Mr. Waterson? Sure. Dear Mr. Waterson, Dear I think. Mr. Waterson? Oh, wait. That sounds right, it. yeah. No, Dear Mr. Waterson. I think, I think. This that, is the, which one do you think we liked better? <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I think that our review was pretty well known. Like, we, I think we pretty well established the review just in introducing the, the Something about the most important part that was not referenced enough or covered enough. Yeah, so I guess I guess what we should do is we should get that out of the way and go to Strip second, yeah. which is that. So there is a documentary out there that was kickstarted yeah. by, a, I guess, a bunch of fans. <laughs> yeah, you, you – well, no, I mean the people who sort of – not the people who produced it, because I don't know how do you how do you define producing when it's Kickstarter? Because technically the fans produced it. I, I don't Tech- know. I think there's probably a couple people that pitched in some money, or some Kickstarter tiers were actual producer levels. Yeah. Like I don't know how much hands-on voice they had or anything. Funded by Kickstarter, yes. produced Prim- by primarily whoever. funded by Kickstarter for sure. Yeah. Made by a I I don't think he's really established, but he certainly okay. is a tested director. Okay. No, I I I I know that I'm going to get right into to shitting all over the guy's job that he did with uh with the with the doc, but I think that he is based on what I've seen in his like fucking bio and everything else. He seems like if you were going to kickstart a, a documentary, I would pick that guy to do it. Sure, why not? Like he seems like someone who could make a documentary. But then in practice of actually making the documentary, I would say we need to give this to somebody else <laughs> because the my main issue you and i'm sure we sort of talked about this on on gchat while i was watching it the fact is is that if you're making a documentary and you have 90 minutes you have to pack a lot into 90 minutes stripped does that wonderfully which we'll get to in a second i guess it's because you have 90 minutes you have 90 minutes of my time you have a set budget based on what you've gotten from kickstarter you 
have to uh, work with the con- the the, const- the construct of the medium and the confines of the medium, which is that it's a visual medium that you have to have interesting shit going on while people are talking, which yep. Strip does very well. Yep. Uh, Watterson does very poorly. And most importantly, if you're going to have a documentary, which is essentially a series of interviews, make fucking sure you get A, really good people to interview, and B, you leave most of it on the cutting room floor. Editing room, editing room yeah. floor. I guess at this point, we're not really leaving anything on the floor. We're leaving it on a hard drive somewhere. But yeah. whatever, because it really felt like it really felt like the Waterson doc was. They got into editing. They threw everything they had together, and then they didn't do a second edit on it. It really felt like that was the first thing that they came up with, and then just let it go. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> My neighbor is standing outside in the rain, watering his lawn. <laughs> <laughs> So the thing is with the Waterson doc is that if you have a documentary that's funded by fans and it's made ostensibly for fans, I guess that's the original intended audience sure. for it. Uh, it You have to come up with some sort of content, I guess, that would be new and interesting to them. I mean, that, that, this is all like, duh. Obviously, this is all something that people should know. But uh, that's what this documentary doesn't fucking do. It uses a framing device of the director is a huge fan of Calvin and Hobbes and the everyone involved is a huge fan of Calvin and Hobbes, but they're all basically just saying I'm a huge fan of Calvin and Hobbes over there, and over and over. Are, there was ways. a little bit of like his early Bill Watterson work, which, is which was great. That was but, good. And then there yeah. was a whole lot of nonsense. And then there was yeah. talking about his influences, which was great. And then there was a whole lot of nonsense. <laughs> and there was the guy that wrote the book, which was a whole yeah. lot of nonsense. Like, yes. yeah. oh, God, that guy with the book. Oh. That, like, it really that, felt like, I don't, there's nothing, there, you're right, there can't be anything on the cutting room floor. Like, there's like, this is, there. I can't imagine what from this, that this was the cream of the crop from. For the most yeah. part. Yeah. They got some good people who are good and would be the cream of the crop otherwise. But like there's some people like, come on, like you got no one better than this. You could you could easily edit that documentary down to a half an hour from from ninety minutes and it would be Do I need to see his house? Like Do I need to see the director's house where he had corkboard all over the walls because he put up all this kind of like I don't I don't care about you. I wanna know about Bill Watterson. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's the thing is, is if you're going to use a framing device, that's a, that, that's something I was saying to you. I've always been afraid of that with my own stuff. Yeah, in, in my own writing, in my own writing, to to sort of frame it as here's me going on this experience, and I'm going to learn things, and you're going to see, you're going to connect with me as a character, and then learn things along with me. That's basically the framing device for this documentary, which in theory isn't always a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Because it's good to have someone to connect with, especially considering the fact that the, kind of the whole point of this documentary is you can't get in contact with Bill Watterson. Yeah. He doesn't want, want he does not want to talk to you. He does not want to engage with the fans. He does not want to be involved with anybody. And which, yet, the other documentary we're going to talk about. <laughs> yes, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. The fans, I guess, want to talk about the fact that Watterson made this brilliant comic, and then he just dropped off fucking face of the earth basically for most people you know you'll hear about things and it's huge news i mean that that uh, what it was pearls versus uh, yeah yeah the guest trip yeah pearls against swine i think it was or what was the something yeah i'm not sure i I wasn't familiar with it before and i'm not gonna see it after but i read those three yeah exactly yeah yeah that's that's huge news when that happens like holy shit you know jesus came down to to 
fucking give us these three comic strips. And that's amazing. Uh, but now he's gone again, and, and that's it. Uh, I, I guess maybe it's a little bit interesting to sort of have the discussion of should comics be commercialized? Should they be art? Should they be all that Watterson stuff? But again, that's maybe a segment of the documentary. Sure. It's not tripped. shouldn't be the entire documentary and it shouldn't be a major part because, again, it's sort of it's sort of like uh, when you read those link baity yeah. uh, click baity, uh, you know, titles of like, you know, like, will this kill your kid? No, the answer is always no. Every question you ever see asked in a headline, the answer is always no. <laughs> it's it should does Watterson have a right to to privacy? Yes, totally. Did he he made this awesome thing? He gave it to you and and fucking leave him alone. There's no there's no <laughs> thank you there. and move on. Yeah, exactly. There's no debate there. You don't have to have a personal like the one guy. And there should not like, have ever been a Hobbs toy because it couldn't be both. You can't like you can't. <laughs> it would need to be both. Your Hobbs toy should be whatever your Hobbs yes. toy was before you discovered Calvin Hobbs. Yes. Because kids do not need a fucking specific toy no. to be told you need to pretend with Hobbs. Do you need to make Hobbs real, just like in the comics? No, I mean, if you're usually you have your own time, Hobbs. That's the point. Is you have your own Hobbs. Really, everyone I know that has a a strong connection with Calvin Hobbs knows immediately in their head what their Hobbs was when they were growing up. Because I, I feel like a lot of kids, even before they're able to read, are able to project on some sort of toy or stuffed animal or or whatever it is. You know, that's what my friend is. You know, this is what it is. I so badly want a friend. But I'm, be- I'm before the age of really where I'm capable of making friends, especially with with our generation. Anyone who is – I don't know if I feel comfortable calling you a millennial. I feel more comfortable calling me a millennial. I'm, and that's nothing uh, that's to do the with age. My, my eight, 1980s is a weird year. <laughs> it's like – I know. There's I know. A, the, and a couple – like around the eight, around 1980 is a weird year. We're sort of straddle both. Well, yeah. I mean I, I think that I, I – if someone called me a millennial, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. I'm Generation Y or, or you know, talent Generation X, I guess, more more with that. You know, especially considering the, the fact that, like, you know, it's like in high school I was watching SLC Punk. You know, it's not, it's not like, you know, I'm not like I, I you know, grew up watching Clerks and things like that. that. It like, also doesn't help you know. that we're both interested in older and interesting new stuff. Like, we're not stuck in our gen, like, so we, we fit even less in one specific thing because we enjoy a broad range of stuff from different eras. I know that I'm a, po- a huge, you know, dickbag poser because my favorite uh, Jesus and the Mary Chain song is "Sometimes Always," you know, with Mazzy Star. Like I know, I know that I know that I'm a piece of shit because I don't appreciate, you know, good quality music, and you know, I'm not like I still I still think that Fugazi's best, you know, album is uh, 13 songs or whatever. I have bad opinions about things because I wasn't there, man. I didn't know. But at the same time, I'm able to listen to like I, I guess the thing too, like I, I don't know. This is a thought I've been having lately about the fact that a lot of the stuff that I was made fun of when I was younger, of like you fucking, you know, like you fucking kids, you know, especially like like I remember listening to uh, some 41 in high school and Blink 182. Some party one blink way too, and then older friends. Even there was a teacher at one point was like, "You, this isn't fucking punk music. What the fuck is wrong with you? Go listen to the Clash, you piece of shit." You know, and it's like, yeah. Eventually, I did listen to those bands, and I love them, and I do, I do appreciate the Clash now way more than I ever appreciated some forty one then. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like we technically do fall into the. It's nineteen. It's, I believe it's nineteen eighty onward is fair to call people millennials. That's the thing, because, and I'm 1980. Yeah. Like, I know. So it's always weird when you're the oldest part of a generation. 
Like the people, the the relatively young people rallying against hippies were like, "Oh, you're the people that are just too old for this." Yeah, but that's and I'm just too old for Justin Bieber and gifts and <laughs> like no, I... gifts still make me a little like, like oh, really a little yeah still bugs me. Wow, and I get it. I to- I do get it. I'm not saying like you people, you're dumb for not being able to communicate. Like I get it, but it's still like it's oh, it's still like nails in the chalkboard a little bit. Ugh. The reason I use pictures, specifically animated pictures, to communicate is a because I've always been doing that. You have. You're you're the original gifter. Like you've been doing it forever. I am. I really have been. Also because I've been doing it forever poorly. And when I was younger, I mean, I'm, fucking you know this. When I was like 18, I would constantly reference. I would speak in references. Everything yes. I would say, is, it was just references. And it was mostly The Simpsons and, and whatever else at the time that I had clerks or whatever. Yeah, was. Kevin Smith was a pretty... big deal once upon a time, and everyone did that for a while. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Kevin Smith and The Simpsons, I think, was a fair way of saying yeah. – or the the, uh, the Muppets, Kevin Smith, uh, The Simpsons. Those three things blended together. That was the language I spoke when I was 18, 19 years old. And – that made perfect sense to me. And and I think that that's why even why when Family Guy first came on the air, a lot of people were like, what the fuck is this? Because that's it's speaking in my language. It's speaking in The Simpsons. It's speaking in, you know, references that I know really well. Family Guy is speaking in gifts. Like, yeah. It's yeah, they fully are. that like that is what they do. Well, they're they're doing they're they're speaking in uh, they're speaking in gifts now. They're speaking in in t- more of a Tumblr yes. based sort of approach to gifts, which is I'm saying this and it's funny because I'm saying this outside of any yeah, context. It's, it's ready player one in a way. Like it's all Yes. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. I haven't read and probably won't. Don't. Absolutely don't. <laughs> I, I I again that was another thing where I was early on that and I was glad I was early on it because as soon as people started talking about it I'm like I, I know that's a very shitty thing to do in our current culture yeah, is I to know. Ooh, and I, and I feel shitty. I feel shitty for the prejudice of developing against Ready Player One, never having read it, because I know lots of people who love it, and I, I get why. Based on only what I've heard, I get why they love it. It just that kind of thing doesn't usually interest me, and that's just my yeah. taste. I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's just a thing. Like I don't like Family Guy either. It's, it, I have at this point, I, my brain doesn't like that kind of that pace, that structure. Like I like, I don't like that frenetic, reference-heavy crazy shit going on like i can't handle it anymore but i think the reason why you don't like that is because that's so associated with our younger selves is that you, sure. like when you watch it when you watch a movie like um fanboys or uh, what the hell absolutely. was absolutely that? uh, that's one of the things that bugs me but like it, it's not fair because it might just be a cultural shift more than like stunted adolescence or maybe it's stunted adolescence is a good thing and it's fine i don't know i'm not like i'm not i don't want to judge it but it, it feels immature and silly. And well, immature and silly is a good thing a lot of the time. But I was I, like, I, I, I'm tired of not having any adult content. Like, it's there's lots on TV now, but it's it's something that like, everything is turning into try to appeal to as many people as possible. I, and on mass media and super niche otherwise. And this, a, oh, I don't know, it drives me crazy. No, I, I, And lots of the super is... niche stuff, like that PBS Idea Channel guy is super fast, frenetic, blah, blah, blah. Like, ah, stop it. I can't follow this. I need stop. Talk about your thought. Like Cosmos was great. Cosmos was wonderful. Yes. It was relaxing. I could sit there and watch it, and then he would explain <laughs> something, and it would finish the explanation without cutting away to some jarring, crazy thing and some infographic or something. I was like, I'm just letting this dude lecture me in an interesting way with these visual aids. I was totally down with that. 
But like otherwise, like oh god, just get to the oh, oh! It's, it's it's an assault on my senses that I don't appreciate. I know it's the same reason why you were saying that you had such a problem with John Green, and I love John Green. I know him as a young adult writer, and then I realized that he's a young adult writer that I like that also makes he also has interests that are very close to mine. A lot of the shit that John Green talks about in his just personal blog uh, series that he does with his brother. All the stuff that they talk about is stuff that you and I talk about, mm. and that interested me. And I'm like, hey, I'm in. And that's how I got to be a huge fan of his. H- however, I'm not most people. And this – I feel – I kept I kept uh, uh, um, uh, uh, whatever as you were talking because I feel like I just – I'm going to cut out all that bit I said about the post-mortal, and all that is influencing what we're talking about now because <laughs> – That's true. Yeah, because a, a lot of people are saying we're getting the gift of a longer life. People uh, that are in our generation, basically in the 1980s and beyond, you, me, everybody – have the ability to live until 90, 100 years old. And we're going to be living better quality lives than our parents did when it comes to the fact that we know to not eat certain things. We know to not like drink lead. Uh, <laughs> you know, we know, we know to not do certain things. We, and we just simply have better medicine and better technology than they ever did, especially the idea even now. It's like, oh, I, my, I hurt my knee. Fucking get it replaced. And, and our, our medicine and is if you're not lot, America – you can afford it. Even if you are in America, it's I, I know I know that it's expensive, but it's still something that you could you could yeah, do. definitely you doable. Many, many, doable. many people do it in America. Yeah. I'm gonna be thirty this year and I'm still a huge kid and I regret that deeply. I have a lot of regret that I don't have the responsibility I should have at thirty and I have a lot of insecurities about that. And Maybe I'm I understand, but everyone like everyone feels that way at every age, I think. No no no. no and no. So many 30-year-olds are in that position. I regret that not because of so many 30-year-olds are in that position or because of I should be – like I'm not I'm not looking at it as, oh, I should be in this better place because I'm not working as hard as I should be or whatever it is. I'm, I'm worried about it because I you know, spent the majority of my 20s seriously, severely clinically depressed. Yeah. And and now that that's kind of lifting and changing, it's a huge slap in the dick because it's what all the doctors told me would happen, which is that if I could make it to my 30s, I would probably live until I was, you know, fucking 100 yeah. because I'm physically fit and, and capable and, and everyone in my family generally tends to live pretty long yeah. and so on and so forth. Um, and that's basically that's basically what happens uh, with all of my family genetically is that they have a really rough time when they're younger. And it's because they have severe problems and then they grow – I don't want to say grow out of them because you don't grow out of them. You just learn to cope with them. Yeah. And and then once you learn how to to deal with them and to deal with life in general, then you have a chance at having a life. But you have to slog through you know 10 to 15 years of just fucking shit. And that bugs the crap out of me because I went from – wanting to kill myself to having maybe a split second of where I felt good and then now I'm worried about dying or being in the I'm worried about being one one foot in the grave basically because yeah. I'm 30 years old already because that's that's the human like that's a very natural human thing is like once you're about about 30 you start thinking about death as a very real thing because it used to be yeah. that 30 was death uh, and that makes total sense. Whereas now it's like, no, you're barely an adult at 30 because that's the way society is making things. That's the way it's And I know a lot of people are just like, oh, it's fucking millennials. Well, no, that's the way that's the way it works. That's the way sociologically like that's the, if you if you, have, like if you were living till 30, you were 
having yeah. kids at 14. Better speed like, up, fucker. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. You were working at 9 or hunting and gathering at 9. Like, you weren't a kid. Once, As soon as you could do anything to be useful, you were doing something to be useful to your society. Like, yeah. instantly. None yeah. of this waiting until th- you're 18 or... Like sixteen is your like depending on what like you know what I mean like it's it's just getting longer and longer as we get older and older and that's not necessarily a bad thing not necessarily not necessarily it, d- it, it still just, feels weird I'm scared of being immature for reasons of I want to make up for lost time and I'm scared of what that might mean for me as like finding a partner a life partner finding you know some sort of you know something. I, I know that I have lots of time to yep. figure out my career. I'm hoping it doesn't end in that, you know, Twilight Zone moment of where I'm like, I have time now and I break my glasses and, yeah. you know, I have to sit in the apocalypse, you know, for, for the rest of my life not being able to read. Or, or the Futurama version or, uh, of my hands falling off and realizing I'm a robot and so on and so forth. Yeah, but even, even – okay, so even just now, just, just this last – Two seconds ago, I couldn't not make the reference, not just to the Twilight Zone, but also to the parody of the Twilight Zone that was on Futurama, <laughs> because I'm so attached to all of these things. I guess because th- that, to me, that's uh, a lack of ego in my life. I'm not so much attached to my experiences, my personal experiences. I like telling you stories, but I would never presume that anyone new that I met gave a flying fuck about me because I don't fucking matter. I, 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 I'm just some fucking random dude. I would much rather connect with them on the like, hey, do you watch The Simpsons? I watch The Simpsons too. And even like I said, was talking about you and I were talking about this after the whole Lauren weird after the Lauren episode about. Our generation, if we are millennials, then we're split in half, which is that there's half of the millennials that grew up on The Simpsons and there's half of the millennials that, millennials that didn't. If you were born after 1992 or 91, yeah. you probably didn't watch The Simpsons growing up. Or if you did, you and I feel profoundly of, disconnected from those other millennials, which is another reason I'm like, yes. oh, why are we millennials? <laughs> Like, it exactly, should be, there should yeah. be, these should be two distinct generations. That's why I still feel comfortable using GIF speak to, to, to get my point across is because I like, I like cartoons. I like using bits of references to express myself because I think that that's a way to better connect with those around me because I can diminish myself and my own. Well, it's like, it's like, re, it's, it's like, re, it's like sampling. It's like, uh, what's her name? Girl talk and music. They take samples from everything. Stuff you recognize and reframe and reconstitute to tell their own story. Yeah. With remix culture, they try to make something that's new and different and better. I'm just trying to go deeper. I want to be able... I know that empathy is fundamentally broken. You're still taking this clip and repurposing it for your own use. Sure, yeah. yeah. For a different use, but still not the original use that was necessarily intended. It depends. Sometimes I try try to... I I do try to stick to the original intent. Well, the original intent was for people to watch it on TV and laugh along. And that's what what I mean by not the original intent, that you're using it in a different way. You're using it as like, this snippet says this. Original out of context intent. and out of framing, like it is just well, by itself. That's what yeah. th- this means. This you don't have to have seen the show. Yeah. You can still piece it together based on facial, all that stuff. For me, as a someone who chooses to use that specific GIF to express himself, I think it's just good manners. Is I shouldn't, I shouldn't use something that is completely out of context. Yeah. Otherwise, why, why use that? That's 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 what I'm saying. I think a lot of people do use things out of context because to them it's an inside joke or to them yeah. it's an inside thing that's you know shared by millions. But still, you know, it's an inside insider thing. It's like, a if you've seen this, yeah, exactly. It's a secret handshake, and I think that's stupid. I think that I, I think that that's that's fundamentally kind of it's not it's not inclusive. It's, exactly. 
Yeah, the, I think that I use, I use the, references. Are you a real geek girl? Yeah, exactly. I use references because I want to be inclusive. Because anyone anyone who's seeing one of my status updates, uh, for example, like on on, on usually because yeah, it's, I was you know I've been posting them more often to to Twitter because it, Rob and a couple of people find it funny. Yeah. When I was younger, or even when we were younger, you you would tell people your mood by setting your mood on Live Journal or whatever it is, and you literally have a drop down box on MySpace or whatever it was, yeah. and you'd click and be like i'm sad today and to me that that's really egotistical is i have a feeling and i want to express my feeling by way of these these words and i i want you to i want you to know that i'm sad and i want you to feel like you should do something about that like this is a cry for help me putting that i'm sad on my space i want someone to cheer me up i think that is really egotistical i think that that's really shitty of people to do and i'm not saying like i know that's also a thing too in our culture of like oh block that person because you know fuck them how dare they say something negative on facebook you know but at the same time i think that i i tend to be a little bit more i think that i and the people who are reading my emotions by way of a picture are a, a step away. It's abstracted. Yeah. It's abstracted. And I think it's a little less egotistical because of that abstracting is because I can say I'm sad in the same way that Rudy was sad when he wasn't able to get ice cream uh, on the misfits, you know? And it's like, and that's also, cause it's also a way more specific thing too, yeah. is, is that, you know, someone could look at it and be like, Oh, he's sad. Like if he didn't get ice cream sad, yeah. you know? So he's not that sad. He's just he's like, Oh man, I, you know, I, I don't know. And I guess like if I'm feeling, if I'm feeling good or whatever it is, I put up a little dancing picture or something like that or whatever. And other people get to see it and hopefully they feel good. It's, and that's a dancing female will make anyone happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have, I have lots of, I have lots and lots of, I, I have, I don't know, probably 300, 400 of these things that I usually go to. And, and there's a good chunk of them that are just simply dancing. Because are, I are, like. Are they categorized by like sad, happy, dancing? That's actually a problem that I've run into is I didn't <laughs> categorize them. And I just know where they all are. And that's a huge problem. Because, th- okay, here's another weird thing about me and this whole fucking everything is that I, I guess with other people, they get to about our age and they're just like, oh my God, I have to, you know, figure my life out because, you know, whatever it is. I'm not really technically worried about the grave so much as I am about a loss of consciousness or ability to do something about it because i i've put a lot of time i put a lot of time and effort into over these last 10 years of of being miserable i put a lot of time into learning about life and learning about things and learning about anything really in general philosophy or whatever it is you want to talk about i and i have like systems for things you know like my my evernote notes are a fucking mess but i have a system and my system works and i know where everything is and i know how to search for it and i know how to i know all the ways to do everything that's great what happens when I get amnesia? What happens if I have if I have a horrible accident and I can't remember anything and I can't remember my passwords to Gmail where I have a lot of things saved and a lot of things organized? Uh, what happens if I get into a horrible accident, I lose my memory, and I can't understand my system for organizing my GIFs? Uh, <laughs> and these you'll are just, little... You'll still have the GIFs. The GIFs. And you'll be able to just organize them with your new system that you'll come up with because you don't you'll, you're a blank slate to just reorganize them. 
Is there any more of a horrifying and specific nightmare than having amnesia and not being able to understand your previous self because you look at all these moving animated pictures and you don't understand what the fuck they're from or why they're there or why you would have spent 10 hours downloading and saving all of these things? You would lose complete touch with your previous self in a way that would just be mortifying. Like, I would probably... Assume that the person I would become would be mortified. What at you that. have to do is you have to write a note in like a parent folder of the gifts, and in that note you explain what this is for future generations. You have to time capsule it in some way, so it's like that. This folder contains animated gif representations of my moods, taking from the following TV shows that I cherished as in certain different times of my life, and then proceed with caution or something. And then you'll be prompted and be safe. But yes, I agree. If I was assaulted by like, if I was an alien coming down, essentially, which is what you would be if you're amnesia, if you're an amnesiac, sure, and see it, I would like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, I assume it's trying to communicate in some way. But if everyone else on the planet is talking with words and like both spoken and written as opposed to this, which is what most people are doing, yeah, I'd be like, what? What? <laughs> what? Can someone explain this to me? <laughs> What is this? And then you're having conversations with people on Twitter that someone like, oh, here, look, you did this with them. I'm like, and you're like, what? Why is that squirrel? I don't like what. what I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Why is there a dancing green teal thing with a face and it's a rectangle? I don't understand what that is. Like, yeah, like I, I guess I understand what a what a video game console is, and I understand what it, in like an anthropomorphic or like or a. I understand the concept of giving human qualities to machinery or things like that i guess but why this why specifically this why does this describe your feeling right now like what i would just lose touch with my previous self in a way that i just couldn't fucking handle but i mean i guess it's also that's also maybe because the person i am now part of who i am part of my personality is so deeply rooted in my culture and rooted in our culture and also because my relationship with you and and so many other people is based off of hey you're a fan i'm a fan i mean really even right now we're supposed to be having a conversation about two fucking movies that we saw and and like that this is so important to me that i took time out of my day to record a conversation with you about these movies that we saw so we can share with other people that's how important movies are to me yeah. it's how important movies are to you and we so, made it through one and then digressed and i think we're not gonna make it to the second one this time yeah no no we'll talk about another episode <laughs> yeah. that's fine no we'll talk about both of them so i don't give a fuck i want to talk about this there there is some pleasure i get in in sharing these animated pictures based on the fact that they're just pleasing, sure. like like intrinsically pleasing to me. I watch them and I just immediately just feel better watching them. There's just something about them that just makes me happy. And I get that. And I feel that way too often. And I knew you were posting a GIF, but... Uh... Specifically that one. I, I'm going to link that in the show notes because that... that I'm not sure what every, that's from. Uh, I have no idea what it's from. And this is what I'm saying. Like, I have no idea what it's from. I usually, I don't use it. I don't use it because I don't know where it's from. I don't use any GIFs where I don't know where they're from. And and so I don't know where that's from, but watching that makes me feel like I have to start doing what that character is sure. doing in that picture, and and that makes me feel good. <laughs> like I could be I could be so miserable. <laughs> I see that and it just makes me happy. And I'm hoping that if I lost my personality by way of amnesia, I would see these pictures and I would still feel like I would see BMO dancing and I would still feel happy. Yeah. I would see this otter or whatever it is, you know, wiggling and I would immediately feel like I should wiggle as well. Uh, and that would make me feel good. 
but I don't know. I guess also because maybe this is my inability to empathize with other people that don't have that ability. Like I, I don't really when I post a GIF, I don't really think too much about what other people think about it. Uh, I would, I would like them to smile. I would like them to laugh. I would like them to to sort of be happy with what I'm putting out there. And that's most of the stuff that I do on Twitter. Really, sadly, the most egotistical thing I could say about Twitter or Facebook or any of those types of things is I approach all of those social media experiences as if I lost my memory and I have to rebuild my life based on what's being posted. I think about that every time I post, but not every time I post something. Usually I have Facebook because it's a lot slower and and I I usually uh, am a little bit more careful about what i post on facebook yeah same yeah twitter not so much because twitter i'm usually also too like i fire off a lot of people on twitter and i respond back with just fucking whatever's off the top of my head but i i would hope that i could rebuild a good chunk of who i am simply reading through old tweets and saying this is the person that i am but that's also a huge problem too because in the last year or so i've been really really censoring myself a lot on twitter because I want to seem like less of a shitbag than I really am, which is a whole other show topic. But that's sort of it's it's still something that I, it's not it's not me. That's not me. I, the, I, it is, I, well, I, no, it is you. It is the you you want to present to the world. It's not the you that you have to like be exclusively. No, my Twitter feed is not the person I want to present to the world. My Twitter feed is the person I've been forced to present to the world. Oh, uh, fair enough. Because there are lots of things I want to say and lots of things that I feel like I have to say, but I fucking don't. That's the reason why you don't see me having a blog. That's the reason why we, you know, you're like, you got to get a portfolio up. And I'm like, yeah, but if I get a portfolio up, I'll have to, you know, like, I'll, I just, just because it's me, I know I'm going to be like, well, I got to have a blog. Yes, but you know, the blog will have it. to be specifically about the stuff referenced in the portfolio. <laughs> I can't do that. I can't fucking do that, man. I can't, I can't do it. If I have, have a to. blog. If I have a blog, I'm going to talk about stuff that's not directly related to my work. Uh, that's a problem. I know. It's a huge problem. That is a huge ego problem that I have that I feel like I can't not. I guess because the thing is, is that it's all about that possibility. It's all about that possibility of I've come this far and I've learned this much. I have to share it with Damn. my future self in case anything happens to my future self. Where or Because even, I guess other people don't have this fear because they're not reminded of a loss of consciousness because I constantly have to deal with a loss of consciousness because I deal with depression. And when I deal with depression, I become someone who isn't necessarily me. And I have to then look over my notes or look over my writing, look over whatever it is and go, fuck, I – like that's why I make so many to-do lists is because I have to say regardless of how I feel, I have to do what's on this to-do list because the person that wasn't depressed and the person that knows what they were doing uh, at the time, me at the time, knew that this shit has to happen. And, and now whether I'm depressed or however I feel, I have to do all this stuff. I have to make all this stuff happen. And that's, that's like that's why – like you see, I don't edit episodes it's because that falls by the wayside, and and I go, well, fuck, that should have been on a to do list. Like that should be something I should be writing that in permanent marker on my monitor. You know, <laughs> uh, like that's that needs to happen uh, because it's it is really that's something that's really important to me, me the me I actually am. But at that moment, at that time, I'm either overwhelmed with work or whatever it is, and I'm not doing that thing. That's something I'm very very aware of, and it's something that I'm very. Uh, upset about even now i'm i i actually 
I guess now that we're already talking about this, I might as well kind of segue into this. Uh, I, I we, wanted... we gotta segue into something that we're going to end with at this point. <laughs> I will end with. Uh, I will end I'm, with. I'm sorry, I'm melting. <laughs> okay. No, I know. Uh, I I will end with this other thing that I want to talk about. I thought this would be another podcast episode, but really it's just a quick comment sure. or a quick thing that I was to say. So I know that I want to have a blog. I really should have a blog. I want to be writing more. I want to be sharing more. Uh, and part of that has to do with the fact that I've been writing, a, I don't want to say a journal, but I've been writing in my notebook a lot mm-hmm. about the fact that I don't know what my favorite things are. Okay. Because I'm so fucking messed up with this constant, like, there are days where I don't want to eat. There's days sure. where, you know, I want to just stay in bed all day. Like, there's, I just, I'm all fucking messed up. Like, so I, I, I've been, like, kind of like, oh, like, I see, like, the other day I saw a link to a clip of, like, The Long Kiss Goodnight. And I was like, I fucking love that movie. Ah, I got to get out my journal and write down, I love that movie. Aha, other people have that in them. It's part of who they are. I love this movie. This is one of my favorites. I, how could I forget about it? How could I not you know, have this carry this with me throughout my life? Uh, so I actually wanted to sort of start writing a bit about like this journey of mine of trying to recover who I really am outside of depression and sort of figure out like what would be a perfect like when I first got out of the hospital, something they asked me was write down what your perfect day would be, because then you can gauge like who you are and what you want sure. versus, you know, the rest of this kind of stuff. And I had such problems with that. And now even I still have problems with that. And I'm gonna be 30 years old. and I don't know what my perfect day would be. That's fucking horrifying to me. You know, like this constant like shift of who I am. I'm not I'm not always who I am all the time. It's fucking bugging the shit out of me. So it's like, oh, I, I want to I want to write about that. I want to write about all this kind of stuff. But do I necessarily want to have this right next to my work for people to see, yeah. you know, but then again, it's like, but then do I write about this anonymously? You know, do I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do with any of this kind of stuff. Because again, this was never a problem that our parents had. This is a problem that other generations didn't have, is that my identity is always going to be me. Like Joey Heflick on a, on a depressive day, Joey Heflick on an angry day, Joey Heflick on a good day are all the same Joey Heflick on Twitter. And, and they're all the same person. And, and eventually this will lead into eventual podcast conversation about how I'm just going to melt down one of these days and freak out and uh, have a complete – I'm going to have a celebrity meltdown on Twitter uh, and be fired from all my jobs. But yeah, so um, I don't know where to finish with this, but – I feel like I, I feel like I have to eventually start talking about this stuff or start writing about this yeah. stuff. I feel like I have to. I have to get it out of me. I just don't know how. And and I guess that's that's also the safe thing about posting gifs is that that's the safest, easiest yeah. way to do that. No one's no one's going to fire me because I posted an offensive gif. No, unless it's really offensive. It's got to be. That's got to be exceptionally offensive, yeah. especially because. And that's another thing too is that's an easy, that's an e- super easy apology. I posted the wrong link. Yeah. That's that's. I an didn't example. mean to tub grill you all. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. You can backpedal from that really quickly. So. Until next time, we are Internet Boyfriends, and I am Joey. You can find me on Twitter. Find both of us on Twitter. I'm at Joey Heflick, and with me as always is... Ryan, at Gobo. And, yeah, I fucking... I don't know what else there is to say, because we really didn't have a topic for this episode. No, so we tried. We tried Old really school. hard this time, guys. Old school Internet Boyfriends. No topic, just fucking shooting the shit. This is more like what you wanted, though. I know. Okay. Well, until <laughs> next time, we love you all. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, take care. 